Islam is the thing that is is, is the, the engine that, that moves these people from from being your neighbor, your good neighbor, to, to being your your vicious enemy ever. This is not true, my dear. They want to humanitize uh, 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 Islam in a way that it can be consumable to the human beings. That That's not true. I am an ex-Muslim and I know exactly what I'm talking about, Missy. That is, I, I, I'm, I've been through a lot. I am on, on, on death sentence because my family, they are seeking my head to be cut and show it to the, to the public because I, I, I dishonored them because I, uh, I, I was, I was not the perfect Muslim girl that they can be proud of. Well, the big question on everyone's mind, it's a gender thing, or is it? World peace, religion, sex, money, politics, climate change, big business, big ideas, and big egos. Nothing is off limits. As I'm joined by some of the most accomplished and highly opinionated women from the far left, the far right, and the far reaches of the planet. This is Malcolm Out Loud, and you're listening to Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Pleasure. To call woman the weaker sex is a libel. It is man's injustice to a woman. If by strength is meant brute strength, then indeed is woman less brute than man. If by strength is meant moral power, then woman is immeasurably man's superior. Has she not greater intuition? Is she not more self-sacrificing? Has she not greater powers of endurance? Has she not greater courage? Without her, man could not be. If nonviolence is the law of our being, the future is with woman. Who can make a more effective appeal to the heart than woman? Mahatma Gandhi. Well, those are powerful words, friends, and you are listening to life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. And I just... You know, you just got to hear these words. And today is a very special production as we talk about not only the empowerment of women, but the freedom of women around the world. And we're talking about a global conversation here. Our co-host today joining us on the show, you were just listening to the voice of Missy Crutchfield. She's the co-founder of Gandhi's Bee Magazine and of Gandhi Global Center for Peace. Also joining us on the show, Jennifer Breeden. She's an attorney that specializes in international law, criminal law, and U.S. foreign policy. Works quite a bit in the Middle East. Susan Price is here. She's a gold star mother, national voice, and veteran advocate for justice. And a special guest today for you, a treat. Our producer for this production for this season, Tamara El Bayati, is with us. She is the producer for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Pleasure. And quite frankly, Tamara was born in Baghdad. She is an ex-Muslim and can speak about this topic today probably far better than I. And by the way, this is Malcolm Out Loud. <laughs> so we're going to have, again, a very empowered conversation here. One of the things, ladies, that as a news commentator and a broadcaster myself, and the fact that my voice is heard around the world every day is a privilege to me and a benefit. But I want to say we talk a great deal about the empowerment of women around the globe. 
And, you know, when you look and you measure where women's rights are in the United States, for instance, and you compare and contrast that with other countries around the globe, and specifically, we target a moment here at the Middle East, and you, again, you look at the restrictions that women have gone through, and the fact that there is so much that you would describe life for a, a, a woman out in the Middle East is far different than a lady that is living here in, well, in, in the West. And this would mean the West, I mean in the UK as well, and in other areas that are the West, not just the States. I want to start, and uh, Tamara, I want you to start here for me. I want you to describe for me. Take just a moment for all of us, please, if you would. I want you to reach back into your thoughts and your reservoir of, of thinking here. And tell me, what is life like back in where you were born uh, for a, a woman there that is born there and then grows up as a young lady? What is life like, please? Well, uh, Malcolm, first of all, thank you for having me for this show. It is really, um, this this one particularly is, is very important for me. Well, uh, coming to your question, life in in um, in the Arab world or in the Middle East in general, it's very hard for women. It's always restricted. It's always directed. It is always uh, should be under the guardian of of uh, the of a male in the family, whether it's it's uh, a father or a, a brother or husband or uh, sometimes even cousins. So it's very hard growing up in in that. Uh, area in 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 that time why is that tomorrow like give me like a few fast examples like like let me give you an instance for instance and i know jennifer can speak to this very well as well as probably all of you can but but let me say this like i know in a lot of countries the woman has to walk behind the man she cannot walk side by side I know that, in fact, we just reported on this show just in previous days and weeks here, Saudi Arabia, for the first time in their history, is going to allow women the opportunity to drive an automobile, a car, next Mm -hmm. year. This will happen next year. It's not happened yet, but they projected that, making a lot of changes. Okay. Well, this is not going to happen, I mean, in Saudi Arabia, this is not going to happen until June next year. But even if it's going to happen, then it will come with a lot of restrictions. I mean, uh, Islamists, especially in, in, in these countries, they are not going to let these things go smoothly and easily because it is basically empowering women, which is something that they don't want. So a lot of things, uh, Malcolm, it's not one thing. Uh, it's women, they have a, a hard time having jobs. Women, they have a hard time even uh, traveling. They have a hard time choosing their uh, uh, husbands. Uh, it, it, is, it has to be under the, the approval of, of men in the family. So it's, it's pretty much everything. Okay. It's, uh, it's uh, education. It's a travel. Uh, it's, uh, it's marriage. It's uh, um, um, a job. It's, it's pretty much every th- single thing in, in life. Okay, right. let's go to Jennifer Breed in a moment, our, our uh, really immigration and, and certainly an attorney who understands this, works back and forth in the Middle East. Jennifer, why don't they want to empower wom- women from that area? What, what are they scared for? What, how, where's the history on this? Do you know? Well, the history on this definitely goes back to actually the Hadith. So you can't even point to really many verses in the Quran itself, the uh, sort of the, the 
the Bible, the holy book for, for Islam. It's the Hadith. These are the alleged sayings of Muhammad. These are people that two to 300 years after the prophet Muhammad's death, you know, came around with these sayings, either from one of Muhammad's wives or certain things of things he might have said. And so these Hadith scriptures are things that uh, put women down. It started with FGM, which is a short term for female genital mutilation, and then for women needing to walk behind their husbands. And then these Hadith, these, these supposed alleged sayings, which is just really a fancy way of saying hearsay. You know, we might have heard somebody that heard somebody from 200 years after he's dead that uh, said this, that all um, translated into this book of the Sunnah, which is the Sharia law. So Sharia law is these these bodies of law that come, and I'm, I'm sure tomorrow I can speak better to this, but these Sharia laws, which sort of, um, that the, uh, the give the legal sort of uh, uh, framework for how all Muslims must live. Jennifer, I wonder how much progress will be, as women now discover more and more this, like when you just said, well, like, women like Tamara speak up. Well, sure. And of course, she lives now here in the United States. And so she mm-hmm. has a platform to be able to speak up. Correct, uh, Jennifer, right? I mean, that's why. That I is know. correct. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if she was back there, she couldn't speak up like this because her, what, what would happen? Her life would be threatened. Oh, no, it? I would. I would be dead, honey. I oh, would she's killed. Be here. Yeah. Yeah. I would be dead by now. You'd be dead. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And I would that's be the, dead. that's the reality of that. And and you and so you would be dead because um, uh, back to the 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 again, the uh, tenets of the the Quran uh, indicates is that what we're saying tomorrow that says that well uh, the actually the Quran is full of uh, I don't want to say the word it's full of um, um, uh, verses that empowers men even more uh, it, it's not only the hadith it's not only uh, what Muhammad said it's also in the Quran so they they basically have uh, the both legislations uh, um, um, sources that can give men power over women. So yes, it's it's very um, let me say it's 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 very very powerful to men. It's 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 taking away a lot of uh, of of women's dignity, a lot of women's uh, freedom. Missy Crutchfield, I want you to chime in here as you hear some of this and give me a sense. Now, you work a lot in the Middle East, back and forth, Missy, and then, of course, with Gandhi, Global Center for Peace. Uh, Obviously, you have a sense and a feel. Uh, You hear the passion behind what a lot of us don't understand with the Quran itself as a driving principle. Do you have a different take on that or what are you seeing, Missy? Yeah, I'm really um, grateful to be on this program with these amazing women here. And uh, I've mentioned before, but I have to mention it again, you know, the Dalai Lama says that the world will be saved by the Western woman. And I think it's the collective voices of all of the ethnicities that are that are part of the West. And as you as you come into this world and democracy and free speech, and, and these are the wonderful things that we have here, then we begin to like Tamara and other women um, like Malala when she survived the shooting, the Taliban, and now is traveling around, got the Pulitzer Peace Prize and Nobel and uh, Peace Prize. And and we are, you know, the West is supporting these voices for all women and women are becoming more empowered and um, and speaking out and, and speaking that truth to power. So thank you. And I'm, I'm also grateful, Jennifer, that you mentioned FGM. I've worked with this issue. I, um, I it's so incredibly important because it's it's a health issue. It's a misogynistic issue. It's 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 a 
just a horrible uh, thing that happens to women, mo- mostly in, in, in Arabic, North Africa, Arabic countries, and uh, Egypt. Nine, upwards of 90% of the women in Egypt go through this this horrific, as a very young girl, misogynistic act that that's, has no medical foundation. It's purely a uh, crime against against women. Uh, genital mutilation SGM. is what you're speaking about. Correct, ladies? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's tell people what that is. Go ahead, Tamara. Uh, it has, uh, well, actually, um, um, Malcolm, it's not only in Egypt, it's also in the northern of Iraq and some parts in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. So this is yes. so this is basically in, 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 in um, uh, most of the Arab uh, countries. Yes, yes. North Africa and the Middle East and the Arab countries. Absolutely. I I'd said that. And uh, but Egypt is the largest country in the in the Middle East and mm-hmm. up- 90 i uh one of them i'm in upwards of 90 percent of uh of women in in egypt tamara uh it's it's a lot it's a lot i don't know the percentage but it's a lot and it's basically it's not only for for the muslims uh uh, girl it's it it can reach even the christian society so it's it's a, a societal thing it's not it has nothing to do with religion only um, in, in Egypt, we didn't support a democratic election. And so right now there's a dictator in Egypt. So when the United States doesn't support a democracy, but they support an illegal coup, whether you can go, well, but it was the Muslim Brotherhood or whatever, then it sends a message to Egyptians that, you know, the U.S., you know, they were in admiration, the Arab Spring, they were looking at the, at the West and, well, we want to be like you. And then the West turns its back on the first democratic elections. They were very, very small, yeah. Uh, steps toward democracy, but it was toward democracy, and then turn their back on, on it completely, and then you have this dictator, Sisi. So um, this has contributed to a lot of the, okay, the Missy, young people. Well, right, let me just let's, let's have a dialogue. Let's have a dialogue here. Let me let me. I want to have a dialogue, please. Let no. me ask you, Missy. I want to ask you just straight out question: The Muslim Brotherhood is this a terrorist group or is it not a terrorist group? I don't think there's that much Muslim Brotherhood really still in existence. I think it's it's used like ooh, and people bring it up to you know sort of. I think the word Muslim has been again as the way that Arabs have been portrayed and vilified in Western media. So you say Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, if it were Muslim Sisterhood, it would have a whole different ring. So I, well, I before I really Sisi, the Muslim Brotherhood had won the elections. Yeah. Yes, Morsi. Morsi. He won the election. Uh, yes, he, so the, the Muslim election. Brotherhood is in existence. A lot of people would debate it, that with you. Morsi is in jail. He's very sick. He's diabetic. He's blind in one eye now okay. and, and, and trying to get okay. help. But but he it was democratic elections. So this is what I'm saying. Now we're supporting an illegal coup dictatorship versus a democratic election. So Ooh. if we supported it, it Messi, to, Messi, it was I have not to disagree a, a little bit with election. that. It was not a democratic election, my dear. I lived in the Middle East at that time, and I remember I had a lot of Egyptian friends. There were a lot of uh, Islamist people around the uh, the uh, election boxes, and they were kind of threatening people, if not choosing uh, uh, this guy, uh, Mohammed Morsi, then there there will be consequences. But, but, so it was see, not, my dear. committed some of the worst human rights violations. Look at Human Rights Watch. We work with Code Pink, Women for Peace. And I was there in the Middle East with Medea Benjamin, Code Pink. And, you know, we're like, we're not Muslim. We don't necessarily agree with the Muslim Brotherhood, but we're standing up for democracy at whatever steps and speaking out that, that there was a coup and many, many thousands of people were hurt 
hurt and or ma massacred and or uh, imprisoned and the women and the rapings that happened and all of the horrific oh, crimes. And now media aren't allowed to speak out in Egypt because this they keep cracking down on this. So the human rights violations okay. are very, look them up. Oh. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world, to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, we are back, friends. Uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. This is Malcolm Out Loud here, and this is a really educational conversation we're having today, but there's a lot of information, and listen, you'll be more informed because of this talk, I believe. If you follow the conversations we're going to have, listen to the entire show, listen to the entire production, and take a lot of this in, and then understand what's happening here. Um, let me just level with all of you. As a newscaster myself, and as a serious uh, journalist and analyst of uh, affairs that happen around the world and foreign policy and what have you, um, I, I believe there are some real challenges here. I think that uh, we talk about, you know, on this show, we started with, with Gandhi's quote and empowering women. A lot of the areas around the world don't have the same philosophy that America has. America has, I mean, we... And, you know, it's kind of ironic because often we get we get chastised for not empowering women here. But yet when you look around the globe, my golly, we, we, we certainly have empowered women here in, in the U.S. And as they should be, because they are they are man's equal. Uh, I've always believed that gender and ethnicity. So I think everybody needs to be on one level playing field. I want to I want to go to Susan Price here, our, our veteran advocate, Gold Star Mom. And I want to talk to you a moment, Susan, from your perception of Americans' viewpoint. You can, I want you to speak right now for the average American here. What do you think they perceive, Susan? You hear a lot of the dialogue and the conversation in the first part. What's a lot of the um, perception of folks here with women of the Middle East and in this culture we're speaking about and with the Muslim Brotherhood for that matter? From the perspective of um, American patriots, and which I've, I know so many, um, we're not fully educated on all these matters. So this is a good thing that we're having this, this talk and, and learning. But at the same time, the men and women of the United States of America, they just hear and they see all these uh, egregious crimes against women in the Middle East, and they do not want that coming here. The, the very mention of the Muslim bro Brotherhood goes to you know, the radical um, viewpoint in their, in their mindset, and they just want to protect and hunker down and keep people like that out of our country. And that's, you know, education is key, I guess, um, speaking from a patriot. Right, and which is what we're trying to do here, Susan, clearly. But there is a lot of misnomers, and I think a lot of people here in the West yes. have not a clue of what's really going on there. They hear some of these things Correct. like, you know, and they're like, wow, okay, really, you know. But it is amazing. And yet, and yet, uh, you know, our, our men and women in our armed forces, um, you know, 
in fighting and protecting for our rights here in this country, we have them all throughout the Middle East. I mean, that's it's a hot spot for yeah. um, for the world and certainly for us. Uh, the bloodshed over there. You know, ladies, you think about the, my golly, the, the tens of thousands of men and women who have shed their blood, who've lost their lives, you know? I mean, you know, if you take a poll on that in this country, a lot of people would be upset with the, uh, you know, the, the treasure of blood and the treasure of dollars that have been lost in these particular areas. <laughs> Jennifer, you know this area really well, better than most, uh, because you so study it as an intellect and as an attorney, um, I wonder, and I know you're passionate for women out there. I, I definitely know that about you. But I think to a lot of Americans that look at this, they think we're sort of wasting our time. They've gotten over the fact that the Middle East is constantly fighting in ter- turmoil that has gone on for thousands of years. What makes you think that we're going to change anything out there anytime soon? Well, for one thing, I mean, we spoke a little bit, you know, for one, first of all, the women on the show right now, you know, I think uh, all of us in some way have worked with or studied uh, the Middle East. And so you hear our voices speaking out against it. Um, all the women on this show today are very, are very knowledgeable. And uh, I think those words uh, of power are are important to that. The second thing we talked about women in Saudi Arabia getting to drive, you know, I mean, one of the things I talked about with this was how, if you saw the arguments for more women's rights in Saudi Arabia, you saw men speaking out against it. And some people kind of made fun of that and said, oh, you know, oh, look at that, try and argue more women's rights, but it's all men. But the men that are oppressing women the most in Saudi Arabia, they won't listen to a woman's words. They won't listen to what comes out of a woman's mouth. They will listen to a man. So it does take courage for some of these men to stand up and say, look, we need to change this because the more oppressive people will listen. Uh, that that took guts. That's another thing. Third thing, I look at the Kurds. The Kurds, you're looking at powerful women armies, women military units, um, even some of the Yazidis that were taken slaves that have joined some of these uh, Peshmerga units alongside with the Kurds, uh, the Kurdish military. I mean, they are truly women that I met that are uh, that are just kind of military badasses and Kurds have been, um, you know, they were Islam, uh, they were Islamized in back in the Ottoman Empire days, and so it's a majority Muslim population. But they give women rights, and women have to be at least thirty percent of the vote in parliament. So, I mean, that's just one example of uh, hope for women there. But I think the voices are coming out, and uh, as more men learn to speak out for women, the men that are the most oppressive will listen. The elephant in the room that nobody ever wants to answer. Uh, is the fact of uh, the the Quran in Islam. And this is a conversation I've been wanting to have with Missy uh, a lot. And I wanted to have Tamara on when we have this conversation as, as well, because there's the elephant in the room that nobody really wants to talk about. If you look at, again, we talk about the various streams of, of being a Muslim. We talk about moderate Muslims, extreme Muslims, radical Muslims, and what have you. As part of the argument, ladies, is that, you know, if you look at some of the extreme uh, radicalized jihad that we talk about here, the argument that experts say is there are no sh- strings or strains of Muslim, that if you believe in the Quran and the Quran has marching orders in there that say exactly what you're seeing spread out with jihad around the world, 
then there are no strains of that's where a lot of and that's where it becomes a very racist conversation or politically incorrect to say missy crutchfield it becomes very very politically incorrect to have this conversation because you're immediately tabooed a racist and that you're a muslim hater uh, when you immediately have that conversation yet a lot of the times we're just dealing with facts in data points uh, so I guess what I would say to you, if women are being held back and restrained, and, this, and these are Mohammed's marching orders, and if you go back again, thousands of you look at Mohammed and you see how this whole thing came about in the Quran, and if these are the marching orders in there, and if being a Muslim, and tomorrow, if you say to me that being a Muslim is the fact that the qualification of that is you believe in the Quran, the Quran is the guiding principle of Muslim population, is that not, not a correct statement or am I ignorant, uh, Tamara? Uh, no, that is that is a correct uh, statement. And one more thing, uh, um, Malcolm, there is nothing called um, uh, extremist Muslims mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. radical Muslims mm -hmm. or okay. moderate Muslims. There, these are uh, names that we, we came do. up with. We, we came up with because right. because you know sometimes you, you right. want to deal with with people according to their humanity. But when it comes to Islam. Each Muslim, and I am sorry I'm going to say this, each Muslim is a time bomb. If they implement Islam like ISIS uh, does, like uh, uh, the Brotherhood does, they are, each one is a time bomb. So there is, these, these names is just something that we came up to make the conversation easy, a to make us... A little bit more politically, you're so yes. right. that's well said, yes. well said. Politically correct, the conversation is a little more easily to digest. Because you don't want to, I don't think anybody, Missy, I don't think anybody, uh, good people, don't want to throw a whole, uh, uh, you know, piece of the population uh, uh, product under the bus. I mean, I, I don't know a lot of people that say, well, but you know, see, here's the thing. Would you agree that, you know, extreme jihad and, and, and radical uh, Muslims are out there and they cause harm to people? You would agree with that statement, no? Yeah, sure, sure, Malcolm. There's, there's problems. There's problems everywhere. And there's, there's some real serious problems. There's the problems movie. everywhere. And we'll talk about and, that. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. You're saying to me, Malcolm, this is not the only one. Right. Uh, I always appreciate your uh, perspective, Missy. I really, really do. And your vantage point is very valuable to me because you help me really look at this thing with open eyes. And I want to look at the flip side of it, which is why I, I value your opinion here. Truly, I do. But I, I look at all of this and I'm trying to understand intellectually. I'm trying to understand it. I know most people that look at this problem, but nobody really wants to talk about it, Missy. But well, we, how do we intellectually... And let me... You know what one of the arguments that is presented to me, Missy, quite a bit, is when you had other extreme viewpoints in history, when you had like the Nazis and stuff, you didn't, or, you know, the communists, or you had other, you know, very... Um, vile people, uh, groups of people. We didn't kind of walk around it. We didn't say, well, you know, we have some, uh, we have the, uh, uh, the moderate uh, Nazis, the mild Nazis, the good Nazis, the, the good uh, people that kill, and then we have the extreme radical. But to Tamara's point, we sort of done that with the Muslim population because of our connection to that part of the world. But, but if you understand that the, the, the tenets of the Quran say certain things, as Tamara is saying, as a, she, you've read well, the Quran many times, uh, Tamara. So go ahead, Missy, tell me. Talk to me. <laughs> Give me a reason to understand this, because I don't. Help yeah, me. this is just so loaded with so many things. It could be different shows. I'm sure Jennifer can agree well, with I'm sure this. we will. But let's talk about this. Let's not get off the wagon here. 
you talk about Nazis. I don't think there were good Nazis. I think that there were good Germans. I think the Nazis. I think there. I don't think there's good ISIS. I think. I think. I think. Uh, you know, people. Whatever reasons they they go and once you get in this mm-hmm. and buy all this, I think ISIS is a problem. The Nazis were a, a problem. Serious problems. Extremists. A lot of people would say that about the Muslim population, field. Missy. But, Missy. But, but what I'm saying is that, you know, you've got problems in Christianity, you've got problems in Judaism, you've got problems in the Muslim faith. I was talking to some women last night at an event we had for uh, two Palestinian women that are on tour, talking about the Nakba, talking about right of return to Palestine and not being able to go to their homeland, have no, no, okay. no state. And uh, I said, well, you know, talking to some Muslim women there who have a radio program and they, uh, they have meet your Muslim neighbor and they are just fired up and empowered women with the the job the head headscarf and very very smart educated and they said what we want to do is is educate the rest of the people in this city and 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 in the country as far as they can that what what the Quran says is not necessarily what is being sent out through root laws and 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 cultural that that the Quran doesn't doesn't make us do you know certain things that we I absolutely that is that is that is totally this is what they're telling not, me. No, on, no, one at a time. No. Missy, hold on. I want to have a dialogue. I want Tamara to answer that back, and then you'll come back again, please. Tamara, tell me, please. No, that is not true, my dear. That is, you know, Malcolm. You know what? I am really, really frustrated. I am really, I, I am sick to my gut of of the 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 poor. Uh, good people, the American people that they think uh, uh, Islam is up to good. No, my dear, Islam is up to no good, especially to the American uh, society, especially to the United States. This is the thing that everybody needs to hear about, everybody needs to know about. Muslim people are not your enemy. Islam is the thing that is is, is the, the engine that, that moves these people from from being your neighbor, your good neighbor, to, to being your your vicious enemy ever. This is not true, my dear. They want to humanitize uh, 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 Islam in a way that it can be consumable to the human beings. That That's not true. I am an ex-Muslim and I know exactly what I'm talking about, Missy. That is, I, I, I'm, I've been through a lot. I am on, on, on death sentence because my family, they are seeking my head to be cut and show it to the, to the public because I, I, I dishonored them because I, uh, I, I was, I was not the perfect Muslim girl that they can be proud of simply because I chose to get out of Islam. So no, that's not true, my dear. Is is it not true that the Quran gets twisted? Now I'm I'm learning from you. Tamara. Oh no, my dear, no, no, my dear. The Quran, the Quran did not get twisted because, according to Muslims, the Quran is is a uh, a protected book by God. So no. But, so but does it say the things that get written and get told, and particularly to women who haven't been educated in the Middle East? Or so it says this, but it doesn't actually say that. No, it does say it. It does say it, and they work on it, and they they implement it like piece by piece. One of the things that that led me to uh, when when I when I grow up, and I was like. Why wouldn't I be equal to men? One of the things that Quran says, it says, um, let me just read it for you. Uh, for the male, what is equal to the share of two female? 
it means that when a mother or a father dies, the the uh, estate goes to the, the boy gets uh, um, equal of what a two female gets. That is injustice. That that is one of the things they tell you. Oh no, the civil rights says says something else. So the civil rights says that we have an equal share. No, that's not true. I love you, Tamara, and I I want to honor your position and your situation. My heart is with you, and I know that horrible things happen to to people often who 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 convert to another faith, and it's this has happened in in many religions throughout time. And I can't imagine what you must be going through. But I also know that if we continue to focus on the hate. And 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 not the love that's coming from some people and the respect that we need to show all that Gandhi said that that the Dalai Lama said then we don't get anywhere. Well, here in you the know, West, here in the West, we have what's called freedom of religion, and so you're exactly right in that sense that you can convert with no problem. Oh, you can be whatever you want to be here. We're, there, freedom of religion is your right to live your life in any capacity that you wish. So, like in her case, um, that uh, Tamara transitioned from Muslim to Christianity, uh, and she really studied this hard. And I know because I talked to her about her personal story. That's a very personal story when she made this very difficult transition in her life, but she knew in her heart and I asked her straight out in a talk I had with her on radio and in private uh, Tamara is Allah the same as our God now I knew the answer to that already but I wanted her to tell me and you said what Tamara no it's not mm-hmm. it's okay. not so it's I just not. want to put that out there people who think it is anybody that studies and understands to say it is not the same but in we, we so taking this forward now Missy said something interesting that I want to loop back in, Tamara, and I want to get to Susan and Jennifer to chime in on this because here, here it is. The flip side of the argument of the discussion that is often said to me is this, what Missy just put out there. Well, but Malcolm, there are, you know, there are radical streams in a lot of facets of religions and people. It's not just the Muslim population that there is, you, that's where, where you were going, Missy, right? That there are extremes in yes. other areas of the world, yes. correct? Yeah, which I, I've got to take that a moment because I, I want to put the soil on an equal playing field because the only argument that I hear back is the one that Missy just delivered. And I, I don't hear it just from her. I hear it from other good people who want to appreciate and understand the problem out there. What I'm looking for is how do we, at where the, you know, to what level is that? Do you know what I'm asking here, ladies? Uh, in other words, how, how egregious is this with what's happening in Islam? So, Tamara, when you look at the, the uh, aspects of Islam and you look at the severity, like your family, which you've talked about very openly, they want you dead and they want your head so they can show it to people. They have mm-hmm. no problem with cutting your head off out there. This is something they do on a regular basis. It's, it appears to be, uh, to me, huh? Uh, well, yes, yes, it does. It does. And not only for, for religious uh, um, mm-hmm. reasons, it can, it can take a lot of um, mm-hmm. uh, aspects in life. Uh, sometimes if so, uh, Malcolm, this is the beauty of this country. This country gives you freedom of being yourself and, and freedom of, of, of having, of experiencing life the way you think it is, it is suitable to you. But by the end of the day, you will be accountable to whatever you're going to do. But in the, in the Arab countries, especially the countries that are ruled by uh, Sharia law, by Islam, this is not the way uh, it is. 
if if a if a woman or, or a girl had had a, a a relationship, a sexual relationship, she she will be killed. She's gonna be killed. She'd be killed. Wow. Yes, wow. yes, she'll be killed. This is not. Well, this is not the you, case. This Mary, is not if, the case. If, if we did that here in America, there would be virtually nobody left on the streets. Wow. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Let's pause right there. That's a, this is a, this is a very moving conversation. Um, uh, but, you know, again, we're talking about things that other people are not wanting to talk about. And I, I knew this was going to be some really incredibly heavy lifting because the women on this production are, they're nothing short of spectacular. I mean, they are totally spectacular. That's what we've got here. I mean, I just don't know how else to tell you. And when you look at all the women on this production today, you feel the desire uh, to make things right. Uh, I, just for the record, I really appreciate everybody's viewpoint. And I, I and for the record, too, I, I love the fact that Missy is, uh, she's about peace. She's about love. She's about opportunity for all people. She comes from that world. Um, I tell that to her face. I tell that to her in private. Uh, I adore her. I think she's a, a, a unbelievable uh, patriot. Mother Teresa. I called her Mother Teresa the other day. Is what <laughs> yes, I did. She and, and, that, and she well, said, well, honestly, that's a great compliment, Malcolm. And I know it. I said it as a compliment because she... She has that uh, that sensibility that she puts. She just wants to love all people. She wants to be, and you know, and that's a product of God, Tamara. That's a product because that's what God would say back is to you know. It, but at the same time, we just got to make sure in the process that we're not we're not uh, you know we're not killed. Uh, that somebody doesn't you know stab us in the back. I, I, I'm I'm speaking theoretically, but really it does happen here clearly when your life is being jeopardized like this let's let's take a real quick pause here we'll come back in this incredible incredible conversation here think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized the best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health sleeping better full of energy and focus we know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep but it doesn't have to be that way there haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. The Out Loud Perspective awaits you in life, love, politics, a healthy lifestyle, your faith, personal development, and living an out loud life on AmericaOutloud.com. Glitch your news and entertainment network where you can listen 24-7 on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Okay, friends, we are back here. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. And uh, we are all in search of peace, I think, and certainly on this production. You know, let me tell you quickly, we have 10 extraordinary women on this show. We have a, a co-producer and a producer here. You, we have a special treat today for you. Tamara El Bayati is here. She's the producer of the show. 
Uh, you know, I had Tamara on my uh, daily broadcast uh, about a couple of years ago now. She said, I think it's over a couple of years, and mm-hmm. telling her unique story in her life. And at that time, I really uh, just fell in love with the, uh, with the lady and thought she was an incredible spirit. We had her back again when she reached out to me not too long ago to say, Malcolm, I need your help. I need your help with X, Y, and Z. And I felt in my passion I could do anything I could do to do this. And somehow this all came together on this show when she became the producer one of the um, I want to introduce you to the ladies here today on the show so you, I tell you the special treat today is Tamara El Bayadi is here with us our producer um, sitting in with us here today Susan Price is here she's a gold star mom a national voice veteran advocate for justice we'll hear from her in a moment again here um, Missy Crutchfield as you've been listening co-founder of Gandhi's B magazine and of Gandhi Global Center for Peace and Missy she's um, she's she's all about peace I mean if if you're not looking for peace, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be on the level of communications with a Missy Crutchfield. There's no question about it. Jennifer Breeden, what's special about this production with Jennifer? She's an attorney, works extensively in the Middle East and that part of the world. Brilliant, brilliant lady. One who I think should be the next president of this country. I've already told her on two shows. This will be the third show I've said that. Uh, so she's going to have a complex very soon. <laughs> I so I would say I want to be her campaign manager, by the way, so to get her elected. But uh, so <laughs> Only she, if I can have all these women in my cabinet. Yeah, well, you'll see. You'll see what happens. But, uh, you have us. You have us. Don't worry. <laughs> you are definitely about empowering women. And empowering people, and I think you're awesome, Jennifer. I think everybody on the show is, but I really think appreciate you and uh, and uh, the work that you've done globally and where you sit on this. But one of the let me share with folks, and uh, when Jennifer became and decided to be a co-host on this uh, massive production we are doing here, um, one of the pleasures of this was that uh, she met uh, Tamara El Bayadi and was really uh, understanding. There's a um, a relationship here with all of us and we're all trying to my goal was to help Tamara get um, things properly done in her life so she can as you can see she I mean if you look at the definition of of an American and Susan you can speak to this I mean Tamara mm-hmm. El Bayadi is as much of an American if you really understand the definition of an American as you and I are Susan yeah. oh yeah, yeah definitely but you know why and, I say that um, why, why do I say that well, she's um, compassionate, and she's she's just um, wants to teach people what's going on with with all these egregious things from her land, and to protect 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 women and get the knowledge out there. Mm-hmm. And she understands my the take. She, yeah, well, and she understands. To add to what you say, she understands the freedoms of the West and the freedoms in America. I'll tell you. Sometimes she sends me a message, ladies, about how much she respects and appreciates this country. And I look. I sometimes read her writings, and I think, wow. I mean, she's like such a spokeswoman for our society here that you have to just your heart goes out to somebody like that to say she really gets it. Does that make sense, Jennifer? Absolutely does. You know, I'm hopefully uh, my my connection here is all right, but I am I'm I'm kind of sometimes I feel like I fall somewhat in the middle. But I've been uh, I've been chastised I think by both sides of the aisle for some of my work. I actually work with a group of people called the Muslim Reformists, very small group of people, but these are um, Muslims. I wouldn't even they don't like the word moderate Muslim. They think that's used uh, badly. These are people oh, actually trying wow. to change it. And um, try and tell us actively. about that. That's kind of cool. I'm glad you brought that up because let's bridge mm-hmm. that over to where Missy is. Talk, talk to me about that, please. 
Yes. Yeah, so the Muslim reformists, it was started by people like uh, Zudi Jasser. If you've seen him, he's been on a, he's, he's kind of a conservative uh, talk voice. He's a Syrian um, who served in the U.S. Army. And then Raheel Raza, who's one of the most outspoken women, one of my dearest friends on, on female genital, against female genital mutilation. And uh, absolutely incredible Muslim woman, her husband and family, they're basically family to me. And I actually just helped edit a book called How Shariaism Hijacked Islam, was written by a man named Hassan Mahmoud, who's actually spent the last 30 years of his life. Um, and all these people have death threats over their heads, much like Tamara does, which is, um, you know, Tamara's is much worse because she's a convert um, away from Islam. But they're considered apostates, apostates as well yeah, apostates. because they fight against uh, so much within Islam. Right. Yes, apostates. That's the word for anybody who leaves his faith, uh, which they can be killed uh, egregiously. In fact, people like Tamara or the Muslims that are fighting against all these radicals, these Islamists, these political laws, they're called apostates or considered that they're um, they can be killed before people that are just born into this Christian faith. Jennifer, and, so the Muslim uh, people you're working with there in the Middle East that you're saying uh, that don't like the term moderate Muslim, what are you trying to accomplish with them? What are they trying to accomplish with you? Well, they're trying to accomplish. I help them because I, I believe in this. So I've been chastised by people. I can mention names, but I won't on the show. But by some people who said it's just hopeless. It's completely hopeless. You should just give up. Well, you know, a lot they're of people all- say that, Jennifer. I hear exactly. that all the time. And so my thing is, you know, in any war, and I'm no military hero or anything, but in any war or battle, you have different fronts. You have the guys in the trenches. You have the guys in the jets overhead. You have the guys calling the shots. You have the guys in the trees. You have you have people doing so many different facets. And I think this is one facet of a very important battle. So my work has just been to help them. For example, this book that was written, it basically highlights all the ways that um, many Muslims these days, specifically in Muslim majority countries, oppress women. And it and it attacks it. It attacks that ideology and says we need to change change it. Um, and so I wanted to help because uh, English is not their first language. It was not Hassan, the, the man who wrote this book. And I wanted to help edit it because I think it needs to get out. You know, I, I don't think it's my goal to for the for the end goal of, you know, OK, let's see if we do we either convert all of them or convince them to you know back away from their religion or do we do something that's a well, what I want to know, something- Jennifer, is this within that group of Muslims you're working with, can there somehow be uh, to move the ball forward on that conversation? Can they would would they be converting from being a Muslim to something else? What I'm just trying to understand if they're still following the tenets of the Quran, we we've been talking about that. How do you relate that to back to this term they don't want being a modern Muslim? What do they want to do? I mean, what are they trying to accomplish? Are we trying to convert Muslims to say that okay, there is a, a cycle here and a track that is truly truly peaceful that's not going to follow the Quran? What's the what's the answer? Well, they would say, and I can only speak from their words, they would say the problem is not specifically um, individual Muslims right now. The problem is Islam as a whole, the way it is right now, and that that's what needs to be reformed. Can you be a Muslim and not be and not study Islam? It's the same way that uh, people that call themselves Christians go to church on Easter and maybe Christmas and have no idea uh, what certain things say in the Bible. You're talking about a religion of billions of people or millions, you know, so billions. Hold on. Of You're people. saying to me, I just want to make sure of this and then I want Missy and Tamara to tell me, yes, can you be a Muslim and not practice Islam in the Quran? Yes, you can. But once you practice, you're going to be an extremist. But 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 can you can you be uh, uh, it, Jennifer, in that group too. I mean, can you be a Muslim and not uh, not follow that? 
Now, again, I've never been Muslim, so I, I love to speak from firsthand, but I can say exactly what I have seen and witnessed okay. with my own eyes okay. in these regions is that, yes, I have met so many Muslims in different countries who okay. do not practice, who do not even, who barely ever opened a Quran, okay. who just, they're born Muslim, it's on their birth certificate, right. and they believe in human rights. All right, so, so then, so Tamara, do you agree with that, Tamara? Is that okay? Well, that is that is totally true. But what I'm saying is that once they open the Quran, because Jennifer just said they do not open the Quran, they do not practice. Once they do that, they will find themselves in in a in a corner that either they do it or they will be considered infidels. I see. So so I, and I do understand what you're saying. But but you're saying but what I'm trying to understand is there hope and salvation for the term Muslim uh, within the like living in America, American Muslim. Muslims. Uh, mm -hmm. Can they be their own salvation without studying the Quran and being uh, following Islam? Is that possible? Well, let me tell you one thing that is uh, they, they teach us. They well, when I was a, a Muslim, they teach us this when when we were so uh, little. Uh, one of the things that Islam uh, direct uh, Muslims is to uh, learn the language of any country they are in. And the reason why it says, and this is a hadith, by the way, it says, whoever learns, uh, learns people's language shall be safe from their plots, which is their evil. So this is the only way they can survive in, in, in a country that is not a Muslim country. They learn your habits. They learn your, your languages. They learn your, uh, what is the society and law because, only because they want to be on the safe side. But once the chance is there for them to implement their beliefs, mm -hmm. they will take it and you will be sorry for giving them the so chance. So can you be a God-loving Muslim without the Quran and Islam? Is it possible? It is possible. It is, it is possible. Okay, that's yes, the answer I'm looking for. Missy, yes. over to you, Missy. Now, let's talk, please. Tell me back what you're hearing with this when you, you know what I'm, tr I'm trying to define. Do you see where I'm going, Missy, where I've been trying to understand, you know? Sure. Where sure. are the God-loving Muslims? Because, you know, from a news standpoint, Missy, when we report on the horrors that are happening around the globe and here stateside as well, and when we do this, we talk in the sense that we're trying to find the answer for this firm of, term of moderate Muslim and radical Muslim and extreme Muslim. And where are the, you know, these are lines. They're, they're sort of like, you know, different parts of this thing. And how do we find the right answer here with this, uh, Missy? I mean, is there salvation here for the population of Muslims or is it truly racist because we have this conversation about Islam and the Quran? Talk to me. Well, I think I think the key to all of this is educating and educating our young girls in, around the world is is so important. But it's it's you know the last thing we want to do is polarize the Muslim world. But with that said, I have Muslim friends who joke and say I'm a bad Muslim because they really have no interest in reading a lot about religion. I mean, there's we've had shows talking about issues with religion and religion is kind of the man-made sort of uh, problems that come from that. I have Jewish friends who joke and say that they're culinary Jews only. So, you know, and, Which is and what I'm asking, more or less, Missy. That's kind of 
which are yeah. kind of hit, hit and head on. So you can be that way and not have to follow the are, book, right? I mean, these are some of the most spiritual people I've ever known, right, and I right. think the fact that they have freed themselves from the, the 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 mandates and the restrictions of religion written by men, and and then they can they can enjoy and 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 realize their own spirituality through their own filter and and in the context of their cultural exposure. I think that is is the path to to peace and healing please <laughs> right so uh, what i've tried to do is understand i I've, I've constantly you know you want to be able to really understand the muslim and you know i i think a good person here a good american doesn't necessarily we don't want to hate all people in a particular sector of life whatever that may be I find it very uncomfortable when we're talking about a particular sector. You know what I mean, Tamir? When we say, well, all Muslims are bad. I can't stand them. I don't like those broad terms that we throw out there. You follow me? Yes, we're just saying that, uh, uh, well, let me say this thing. Uh, Muslim people, they are, they are, uh, they are like everybody else. They want a good life for their children. They want to have a good life, a good job, and a, a, a secure life. But once you um, you put Islam in in a, in a in a in a debate or in a conversation, mm-hmm. you will see a very different faces from these right. um, moderate people. Right. So so what I'm saying is that we're not we're not doing this. We're not doing. We're not saying that uh, Muslims they are bad or they are not your uh, best friends. No, they can be. But once they implement Islam. You should stay right, away so what from I've them. What I've got out of this is this now, ladies. What I've got out of this is a lot. I've got a lot out of this, actually, and I think everybody <laughs> has. Quite frankly, we have. Because we're now defining the difference, and you've helped me so much understand, ladies, between, the, the again, the string of being a Muslim and then also being, uh, and then Islam. And then, and I, and, and also, uh, Tamara, your verification back of, uh, you know, what you believe with the Quran itself, which, you know, is very subjective. A lot of people want to be subjective with what is in or not in there. People tend to avoid the truth and they tend to avoid the facts and the data. And it's hard to do that. You have to step back here, everybody. And you, and what I want to do is this. I want to ask the women here today. I, I will hope that they will allow us on life, liberty and the pursuit of pleasure. I, I want you, I'm going to ask you all this. and I'm, I'm going to task each of you I want you to think about this talk we've had today, please. And I want you to, I want to further the conversation. I would like to have further dialogue on this topic because it's so important, this topic to talk about. And again, you have to appreciate and respect the fact that a lot of people don't want to talk about this. Jennifer, you know, people won't talk about this topic because it's too hot, right? I mean, come on. Of course they don't. And one of the reasons I've said with you before um, that that I'm okay talking about it. I became super comfortable talking about it the moment I started traveling to countries in the Middle East talking with Muslims there because they flat out say it. This is the problem. This is where we go in. These See? are the mosques that we investigate. See, I mean, you're you're perfect when you say that, uh, Jennifer, because you're saying. I, I like the way you say that because you're down, you're you're on the ground there all the time talking to the people. You you say you you're, you have real experience in this. I, I respect that. There's a lot I want to do ahead on this topic, Jennifer. There's a lot I think we can do and try. You know, think about it, Jennifer. It's kind of cool. And Missy, think about this, and and all of you ladies here is that we can possibly do on this show and in our platform things that the politicians can't do. 
Oh, yes. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And one of the things that I, I really want to say here, Malcolm, is that um, being an, an American for, for a lot of, of reason is, is a privilege. And this is something Susan said a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And, and I totally agree with her. And um, being here, it, it means that you are uh, uh, really free. And, and your freedom, even, even though you're free, your freedom should be uh, directed in the right way. Mm. What I mean, I mean that uh, as, a, as a, an ex-Muslim in, in, a, in a, an Arab country, we did not have this privilege. We were always directed, we were always observed, we were always, uh, we were always uh, um, um, you know, mandated what to say and what to do. But here, no one is like what i have been through or no one is uh, is uh, is restricted yeah so the freedom that you have the freedom that american people have is something so profound and something so uh, powerful and if 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 we use it the right way we're going to build a, a wonderful society we're going to we're going to be really in, in peace and what i what i mean is that even though you uh, you have the freedom to to speak you have the freedom to uh, to practice your religion you have the freedom to uh, take a knee when the national anthem is playing you have the freedom to uh, burn the flag but there is an, an, an a moral obligation mm-hmm. to this nation there is a moral obligation to to the flag that is the the symbol of the United States to the to the national anthem that speaks about the freedom that you're using in the United United States, and there is also a, a, a moral obligation to the person who is sitting in the in the Oval Office, no matter who, no matter who. You have a, an, an an amazing, uh, a powerful tool in your hands. So use it the right way. That's the only thing I want to say. And now you know why I do this show, and an incredible array of women and voices on this production today and every day. The conversation continues here. Susan Price, Missy Crutchfield, Jennifer Breeden, and Tamara El-Bayati. This is Malcolm Out Loud. To be continued, friends.